1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Carving it Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and Twitter. I am Bryson Carver, and the last 24 hours have not been kind to yours truly. My Tennessee volunteers are out of the tournament. Lost to Florida Atlantic, in Sweet 16. The Owls went on like a 20 to 4 run at some point in the second half, which is depressing. Although, I can't say I was stunned, shocked, or even to a certain degree all that disappointed. Because A, the Sweet 16 is where I predicted my Vols to finish when I filled out my bracket. And secondly, while I love Coach Rick Barnes, and would be absolutely outraged if Tennessee would ever even consider getting rid of him, this is kind of his history in the Sweet 16 and later throughout his entire career. He only has one Final Four appearance on his resume. I still love Coach Barnes and love all the, the guys that team, but Sweet 16, it felt like that was kind of the ceiling for this team. And to their credit, they, they kind of hit it, or they kind of met it, and they hit it pretty hard. So Tennessee went out, but almost as bad, if not equal to it. You guys know when I make predictions, when I make picks on the show, I cling to those very... I cling to those like it's like like like, uh, like my best friend or something, you know? And the UCLA Bruins are out of the tournament. They made a heck of a rally at the end there in the last minute against Gonzaga, but the kid for, for the Zags hit an unbelievable three-point shot. Just, just a couple steps inside a half court to beat the Bruins, so my national championship pick is Dunzo out of the tournament. So, my bracket's officially toast. My balls are toast. Outside of that, I'm doing great. I really am. We do have a good show for on tap for you guys tonight. i going to start this show talking about Cam Newton, who's really dying to get back into the NFL. I'll have Alfred Parsar Jr., a teammate of mine here at The Grid, and a great, great friend of mine of the Metropolitan Report, as well as the Rocket Field Jets podcast, to talk all things Mets and Jets, and then sprinkled in there, since he is such a big baseball fan, talk about Shohei Otani, who I discussed on yesterday's show, who was not only the hero of the World Baseball Classic, but is far and away the best player in all of Major League Baseball. And at the end of the show, listen, we're hearing a lot about the MVP discussion and the Nuggets head coach Michael Malone was talking about, you know, he doesn't like how the MVP discussion is going on right now. He feels like, I think he used the word nasty as a way to describe how it's going. I can't say I totally disagree uh, disagree with his sentiments. So just laying out on the table, I've got my top five MVP candidates for this season. Okay, we got about two weeks, a little over two weeks left in the regular season. Today is March 24th. So we got, yeah, it's essentially two and a half weeks left uh, before the end of the regular season. So it's going to be crazy. 16 days to be exact. Top five MVP candidates. So there's a couple of guys on this list, certainly one I'm thinking of that may surprise y'all, uh, but I'll get to that later in today's show. So looking forward to getting to that uh, as we go on. But I did want to start with Cam Newton because uh, Cam is. We understand he's a character. We understand that he's somebody who was well as as known as well known for his personality as he was his game. Which at Cam's peak, he was as exciting as effective a player as there was in the NFL. Let's not forget, in twenty fifteen he won League MVP, led the Panthers to a fifteen and one record, and got to the Super Bowl, albeit they faced, in my view, what doesn't get enough credit for being one of the greatest defenses of all time, the no-fly zone in Denver, and uh, just ran to a buzzsaw with Von Miller, who won Super Bowl MVP, and DeMarcus Ware. Akeem Talib was on that squad, Bradley Roby, Chris Harris. That was a phenomenal Broncos defense. Malik Jackson, shout out to him, VFL, ball for life. But ever since then, it's been kind of rough for Cam. If you look at his career since then, before well, before I get into that, so Cam was doing something on social media, doing some kind of workout video, and was talking about how, you know, I'm hearing a lot of buzz about whether or not I'll throw it. Auburn's pro day. Obviously, Auburn is where Cam Newton won the Heisman Trophy in 2010. And he's saying, man, ain't no way there's 32 guys that are better than me. There are all these randoms. That's where he used randoms in the NFL that are in the league, and I'm not. I'm about to prove everybody wrong. And for the reports I read about how he did it at the Auburn Pro Day, it was uh, kind of underwhelming. (sighs) Cam Newton's NFL career is over. It is. I was never one to be all that high on Cam. Uh, Most of it had to do with two things. At times, I questioned his leadership. And the second thing was I questioned his accuracy. If you look at Cam Newton's career, not going to go year by year, 2011 to now, But his career high in completion percentage is 65%, which is pretty good. It was his last year in Carolina, which was his last year that he was really effective. Okay, he started for the Panthers that year, got hurt in a game. I think it was a Thursday night game against Pittsburgh. It was never the same player. But even before that, he got some 58% completion. Some There's a 52 in there, 2016, following his MVP season. Even during his MVP season, he completed 60%. Now, we know Cam was extremely effective in the run game, okay? He's a guy who could, I mean, his rookie season, he ran for 14 touchdowns, which, if I'm not mistaken, is a record for a rookie quarterback. Again, Cam at his peak, Cam playing his game was as good of a quarterback as there was in the National Football League. The problem is, in today's NFL, that doesn't work. Again, I listen, I'll show the list again. My top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL currently, from one to 10, I've got Mahomes, Burrow, Lawrence, Allen, Hurts, Jackson, Rogers, Prescott, Herbert, Carr. That's my top 10. Only a couple of those guys. Peck, I'd argue one maybe we question his accuracy a little bit, and that's Josh Allen. Josh Allen's a guy who came to the league. He was pleading about 52% of his passes. Got that all the way up to 67% in the year where he finished second for the MVP award in 2020. And it's kind of hovered. He's had some, you know, some stinkers like last year where he's completing just a little over 50%. But all in all, the best of the best, we can argue what orders those guys should be in, but the best of the best, get the ball to their receivers on time and on target. Cam really doesn't. Not to mention the last time we saw Cam in the NFL, he did start for the team who helped bring him onto the scene in 2011, the Carolina Panthers. He went 0-5, he completed only 54% of his passes, four touchdowns, five picks. If nothing else, Cam was talking about these randoms. Cam, if it weren't for your name, if it weren't for your MVP award in 2015, if it weren't for your personality and your social media presence, you'd be considered one of these randoms yourself. So, listen, am I saying now, do I think there are 32 guys in the NFL better than Cam Newton? Absolutely. Absolutely, there's. I'm not, I'm not even going to go through the list of guys that take over Cam, but it's essentially all the starters in the NFL. If you want to say us uh, some rookies in there, Bryce Young looks pretty good coming out of Alabama. As does C.J. Stroud out of out of Ohio State, Levis out of Kentucky, and Hooker out of Tennessee. Richardson, I have questions about, but he's a far superior athlete to Cam at this stage, and is far more healthy, and provides less distractions. So. Cam can talk all he want, uh, all he wants to about randoms and this guy or that guy, you know, him being better than them. The game has passed Cam by. He's not the same player. He's regressed drastically from his 2015 MVP season. And there, you know, sort of the, that notion about quarterback at quarterbacks you want them to be to a certain degree out of sight, out of mind. Uh, that's not Cam. In the slightest. So that's that's my question. Again, I worry if his body can hold up. I worry how effective if he how effective he is if he even wants to get on the field. I've even heard some in the national media talk about well, you could bring Cam in as a a short yardage quarterback, right? If you got like a uh, yeah, a fourth down and in inches a type of situation like we saw the Philadelphia Eagles numerous times with that formation, which if I'm not mistaken is is going to be illegal at this point moving forward. That kind of that bunched up formation under center. You just like you know, hey, bring in Cam. He's a big athlete. Am I really gonna bring in a guy just to get me two feet? I don't know. It feels like a a a, a situation where you're you're not going to get the most out of a guy, or he's not going to bring the kind of production that you're paying him to give. Not to mention, you question what his locker room presence is. I mean, a, a, again, he he in New England he was. Okay, that year in 2020, he got beat out by Mac Jones. You guys know I'm not that high on Mac Jones. Mac had a bad year last year. I didn't think he was all that impressive his rookie season. Mac beat him out in camp. Mac's a guy that I would consider a random, to use Cam's terminology. If Cam is so intent about being one of the 32 best quarterbacks, could you be out a guy in your own team? and not get replaced by Sam Darnold in 2021 Mac Jones before that I'm just saying there there's some listen we we get blinded at times in sports by the big names big brands past accomplishments when instead we need to focus on the here and now i often reference the janet jackson song what have you done for me lately not just lately but how about this stat? Cam Newton's never had a winning record back-to-back years in his entire career. Never. First time he made the playoffs was 2013. If I'm not mistaken, I think the Panthers went like 11-4-1 or something like that. I think they had a tie in there. Won the division. 2014, they actually did make the playoffs again, but they played in the worst division of football, the NFC South, which here we are once again, the NFC South being the worst division of football. Panthers was 7-8-1, and seven, and though. 2015, obviously winning record. 15-1, and got to the Super Bowl. 2016, they won six or seven games, losing record. 2017, won 11 games, got back to the playoffs. 2018, losing record. And then it's been losing records from there on out. He only started two games in 2019. Durability, efficiency, accuracy, coachability. All those things are massive, massive question marks for Cam Newton at this stage of his career. And I'm sorry, there's no way on earth as an NFL team going to take a chance on him. Is the ceiling higher for Cam Newton than Taylor Heineke, for example, who's gonna have you know make a solid career as a backup quarterback? Sure it is. Bet much better chance of Cam Newton giving you a, a highlight play that you see on Sports Center that night than Taylor Heineke. But Taylor Heineke's great in the locker room, efficient. Accurate enough, although I, you know, there's, there's days where he's not that fairly mobile. We saw that touchdown he ran against Tampa Bay in the playoffs. I mean, by the way, Tyrod Taylor, you want know to talk about you know guys we talk about? Oh, this this guy's a random, that guy's a random. T- Tyrod Taylor has kind of been that a very average quarterback in his career. But you know why these teams keep keep picking him up? He's very mature. He's a solid leader. Accurate enough. Fairly mobile. He's good in the locker room. And he's coachable. Why do you think Cam's out of the league? Why do you think Cam's having to try out again to get back into the NFL? That's the question I've always had about him in terms of where he fits, how he fits. It's not any personal shots at Cam. I wish him all the very best. If he gets a job with, with a team this offseason, good for him. God bless him. rooting for him. But if I were a GM... There's no way I'm making this move. And by the way, it doesn't sound like the tryouts went all that well to begin with as we see it today. So we'll see what happens moving forward with Cam Newton. But given how the tryout at Auburn's Pro Day went, I have a hard time seeing a situation which he's back in the National Football League. I believe we've seen Cam Newton play his last down in the NFL, which was two years ago with the Carolina Panthers. Again, teams had an opportunity last season to pick him up. Plenty of teams. I mean, think about this. Think about the Dallas Cowboys, for example. Dak Prescott goes down week one, and people say, "Oh man, Cowboys season is over." The Cowboys are more comfortable going with Cooper Rush, who obviously has a lower ceiling than Cam. But Cooper was pretty accurate, very steady. He was going to play within the very conservative offense when they with, with with the backup quarterback in. And Cooper Rush went four and one. I'm not saying Cam wouldn't necessarily went four and one. But would it have been as efficient or as, I don't know, well managed by Dallas or by Cam? I have a hard time seeing that. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what this situation continues to progress. But I, 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 I again, I think we've seen Cam Newton play uh, his last down in the National Football League. But there's no question. Listen, his his legacy is not going to be one that's 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 forgotten. Uh, he's somebody who, for the rest of NFL history, is going to go down Is that one of the great dual threat quarterbacks of the league. He is the league MVP. The Panthers had easily the best season in franchise history with him leading the ship. But the game has passed him by, especially in terms of how it's played today among the best of the best quarterbacks. Like, you, you talk about guys like Mahomes or Burrow, who I think are two, the, clearly the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. Neither are known for, oh man, they could really beat you with their legs. But they can move. I mean, remember that touchdown that that uh, Mahomes ran for in that playoff game years ago against Tennessee towards the end of the half? Be careful with Patrick Mahomes. Again, Trevor Lawrence, I remember that long 60-plus-yard touchdown he ran for against Ohio State. A lot of NFL players in that defense. Okay, so Trevor Lawrence can move. Uh, Dak Prescott was kind of a dual-threat quarterback in college. The ankle injury in 2020 sort of hampered that, but he can still move a little bit. You know, the Cowboys will use him in some read options from, from time to time. Uh, who else was on my list? Uh, uh, Josh Allen, I think the Bills use him too much in the running game. So he's a threat to beat you. But again, what all these guys have in common, look of the ball on time and on target. But I'll tell you what, though. A little change of of, of subject before I bring on my next guest. Those games yesterday in the, in the Sweet 16, were unbelievable. The only dud was UConn and Arkansas. I, I, I didn't watch a single dribble that game because when I, when I was watching the, the Kansas State-Michigan State game and I saw the score, I'm like, okay, this, this baby's over. This thing's a wrap. But the kid, Noel, for Kansas State, that will go down as one of the great tournament performances in history. First of all, it happened at the Mecca. It happened at Madison Square Garden. Uh, second of all, he twists his ankle in, I think it was the first half. And then he comes back. He's hitting these circus shots off the glass. He sets the March Madness record, if not the NCAA record, for assists with 19. He has that lob that he throws. I mean, one of the great performances in the history of the tournament. You had, obviously, my balls going down against Florida Atlantic and what was a highly entertaining game. I tweeted during the, I tweeted at halftime, like, man, Florida Atlantic's a great three-point shooting team. Tennessee's a little lucky with them missing as many wide-open shots as, as they did. Second half, especially the, the second half of the second half, last 10 minutes of the game, they they couldn't miss, it seemed like, from three-point range. And, and they used Tennessee's size against them. Uh, so Florida-Atlantic going to the lead eight for the first time program history. And then you obviously had the game of the night, Gonzaga and UCLA. <laughs> Gonzaga tried every way they could to try and blow that game uh, to, to the team I picked to win it all, UCLA and then the kid for uh, forgetting his name hit that game-winning three from just a couple steps inside a half court to win it uh, for the Zags. Again, back-to-back Gonzaga-UCLA tournament games, which end on a game-winning shot. So, a game-winning shot by Gonzaga, rather. So, you, you can't you can't beat it. Anytime those two teams get together, you're in for a good one. And I, listen, at this point, I'm kind of pulling for Gonzaga. Mark Few is a great coach. He helps coach Team USA. With Steve Kerr does a phenomenal job. Drew Timmy has had one, you know, one of the more impressive careers in college basketball. So, uh, and Gonzaga's never won it before. So, if they're able to break through this year, it would definitely be a a great moment for uh, for Gonzaga and the entire program. But we got more elite. I'm sorry, more tweet 16 action tonight than elite action, elite eight action this weekend. All right, next guest on the show. He is a teammate of mine on the grid. He's a great buddy of mine. He is the host of the Metropolitan Report, which is back in action. Can't wait to get into some of that stuff with him and the Rocket Fuel Jets podcast, uh, both shows on the grid. Would you please welcome back to Carving It Up Live. Alfred Parsard Jr. on Carving It Up Live. Alfred, how you doing, man?
2: I'm good, Bryson. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Uh, before we even get into any Mets, any Jets, any Shohei Ohtani for that matter, uh, Metropolitan Report is back uh, on the Grid Network. You actually just had a new episode published yesterday, which was excellent, by the way. Um, thank you. Tell thank the people you. out t- tell the people out there about the Metropolitan Report, about the Mets, and, and everything that you you have involved with that.
2: Uh, so pretty much the Metropolitan Report is just. Uh, my way of breaking news and talking about different things going on with the Mets organization Uh, started off two years ago. as just an audio only podcast. We've expanded it to video. Now that it's been picked up by the grid and um, I'm just discussing uh, Mets news and uh, going over highlights and just giving my takes on uh, any and everything, New York Mets, you know?
1: Absolutely. And I appreciate your perspective and all of the above. Uh, We do have a comment in advance uh, for some later questions. John, John, J E T S. Jets, Jets, Jets. Okay, so you, you're, 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 you know, John John Rivera's in here coming to bat for for the New York Jets as he always does, which I have all the respect in the world for. Just as long as he doesn't comment about his beloved team in the Bronx, we should be good. Um, before we get in the Mets, I want to talk about Shohei Ohtani. I, I discussed him on yesterday's show. It goes without saying we've never seen anything like him uh, really since Babe Ruth, and when you consider the competition and the 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 level of play from now compared to a century ago with 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 what Shohei is doing and obviously he comes in and, and strikes out Mike Trout which is you, you can't ask for a better ending to the World Baseball Classic uh, the other night What's sort of your takeaway not just on the finish of that game but Shohei as, as it pertains to him being the best player in baseball and if if hopefully hopefully the league can do a better job of, of marketing him because I think there's a lot they've left a lot to be desired in that regard
2: so to answer the first question as far as uh, that finals in the WBC um I had a feeling Japan was going to win from when, when once they made the finals. Uh, Team USA, for as great as their offense was on paper, their pitching and their their pitching was atrocious. Um, you can't go into a, a world tournament and have every great offensive player <laughs> that your that your country has, and you don't even have anybody in the top five percentile in pitching, both in the rotation and in the bullpen. So um the pitching was the downfall of team usa their their offense was tremendous you look at that lineup uh you got paul goldschmidt uh pete alonso mookie betts tim anderson uh it, it, it was just a who's who of, of offensive talent but then you look at the starting you look at the pitching you got uh what's this guy plays for the uh kansas city royals uh brady keller yeah um you got Adam adam wainwright Uh, David, Adam, their only good uh, bullpen guy was uh, my guy, Adam Ottavino, who plays for the Mets. He did well. And uh, Devin Williams from the Brewers. Other than that, nobody else on that staff was reliable. Um, As far as Otani striking out Trout, um, I'm going to say it like this, because you follow baseball just as closely as I have. Um, Mike Trout, for the last decade plus, has been considered the, the greatest baseball player of this generation. I'm going to switch that. He's, he's the greatest position player of this generation. I think okay. the, the nod should go to Shohei Otani. He is the greatest baseball player of this generation because Trout only plays the field and hits. He doesn't pitch. Otani, not only is he pitching, but he almost won a Cy Young two years straight. So to be in contention for the MVP and the Cy Young in the same season, two years in, in a row, that that tells you a lot, and and for as great as a guy like Aaron Judge is, I got to give the nod to Otani because again, Otani pitching with a sub uh, a, a sub three ERA and hitting forty to fifty home runs a season, uh, that that's not easy. And even when Babe Ruth was was the Otani of his day, he wasn't putting up he wasn't putting up pitching numbers like uh like like Otani is now. Of course, Babe Ruth stopped pitching altogether. <laughs> because he wasn't that great of a pitcher and he he found his his niche with the bat, but no, Tony, he's, he's out of this world, man. And I, I think when, when he retires, he's definitely a, he's definitely getting a plaque in Cooperstown Absolutely. and B he might go, we probably will never see another talent like him ever again.
1: And I remember talking about him about a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, I think it was after he won the home run Derby in 2021. And I said, is there an opportunity for, Him to have almost a Steph Curry like effect, in which maybe you see some more two way players, uh, whether it be overseas or here in the United States, coming into Major League Baseball. Uh, Do you have a take on that? Do you think there's any shot of that possibly happening as as you know a sort of result of Shohei's dominance?
2: I mean, it could be, and you know what the funny thing is, now that Shohei has been a a two way player, we see a lot of successful. Well, we see a lot of unsuccessful attempts at, at guys becoming two way players. And it's funny to me, because I don't know if you remember Rick Ankiel, who used to play for the I Cardinals, do. yep, he was originally a two way player because he he had a bat and he also was a pitcher before they fully converted him to an outfielder but um, yeah, we haven't seen anything like the Otani, and there have been kids coming up overseas who are trying to be two way players, but they're not having nowhere near the effect of of otani, but again i i think I think he's a once in a generational talent, and I think this two way thing it's, it's something you we're never going to see anybody do again as successful in my opinion, like how there's only one LeBron James there's only ever going to be one Shohei Otani. You're not going to be able to duplicate him.
1: I would have to agree. Again, when you consider a guy who throws a hundred two mile an hour gas, uh, you know, like a 250 ERA and can hit you, you know, 35 bombs a year minimum. It's it's it, it's it's unlike anything we've ever seen. And last point about Otani, he's. Uh, I think it's safe to say he's going to get a nice little paycheck this upcoming winter by somebody. Uh, could be your Mets, could be the Dodgers. Uh, who you know, whoever it might be. Now shifting, shifting to your Mets. Uh, they come into the season with as high as expectations they've had in probably since '06. That 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 season where they came up short of getting to the World Series that season. They get a big loss, or they they suffered the big loss of of the closer Edwin Diaz going down the World Baseball Classic in just devastating fashion, going down on a celebration, uh, you know, having to miss the entire season. But you obviously have uh, uh, you bring in Justin Verlander, who at age forty had maybe the best season of his career at the Houston Astros. You have obviously still Max Scherzer there, who had a, a remarkable twenty twenty two, along with a lineup that's as good as they come, uh, with some holes patched in. What are the opportunities? Because to me, the National League is better than the American League. I think it's far deeper. I think it has far more contenders. Philadelphia was dealt a tough blow yesterday uh, with um for the uh, Reese Hoskins going down. Reese Hoskins, yep. Yeah, Reese Hoskins going down with the ACL tear. But I still think the National League has has at least four or five legitimate contenders. What's sort of your take on the Mets? And do you give them a good shot to, to get to the World Series?
2: So this would be surprising for anybody who's listening to this. I think the Mets are good for a wild card this year. I don't think... Uh, Wow, I don't think the Mets are going to win the division only because a Edwin Diaz going down is 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 huge, like you said. Uh, Diaz, of course, the best closer in baseball, arguably last season, and we we won't even have him uh, for for the majority of this season if, if he if he can't come back for a playoff run. So uh, that's that's number one. Number two, when you look at the other teams in the National League East, uh, the Mets made no offensive improvement. Uh, you have the Phillies, who they were already who they were. They went to the World Series off of eighty-eight wins last season. Uh, they go ahead and add Trey Turner, and we saw what he did in the World Baseball Classic. Unbelievable! So he's been hot, and I and and if that momentum, because ca- remember, Opening Day is next week. So if that momentum carries to next season, then uh, he's going to be putting hurting on a lot of people. Uh, I even said it on the last Metropolitan report yesterday. Um, even a team like the Marlins are improved. Uh, they added, they added Gene Segura, Lu- Luis Arias, and they added Johnny Cueto in their pitching staff. So, um, and you know, uh, Jazz Chisholm continues to evolve. Garrett Cooper's coming into his own as a power hitter. Um, and in the Braves, the Braves also made no offensive improvement, but their offense was already better than the, than the Mets last year anyway. Um, so, you know, that, that whole bunch, Michael Harris, who, so, uh, took everybody by storm in his rookie season last year. He's back and looking good in camp this year for them. Um, so uh, Ronald Acuna should be fully healthy. He looked good in the WBC. Um, I know he had two years ago he had the knee tear. So, um, you know, they, they're they're at full strength. Uh, Mike Soroka is supposed to come back in their rotation to join uh, Kyle Wright and Ian Anderson. Uh, arguably, they have the best 1-2-3. I, I think the Mets have the best 1-2 pitching rotation-wise in Scherzer and Absolutely. Berlander. But when you talk about three pitchers, I give it to the Braves uh, with uh, with Anderson, Wright, and Soroka. So, I mean, it, it remains to be seen. But I, I think we're good enough for a wild card. When you look at the landscape of everybody else in the in the NL in the NL, especially uh, the Dodgers lost a lot of pieces over the offseason. Uh Cody Bellinger, Max Muncie, and Trey Turner all left, so uh, they're down to just Mookie, Freddie Freeman, and Will Smith as far as uh, notable offensive players. Uh Clayton Kershaw, not the same that he used to be five even five years ago. Um, to the point that they keep re-signing him to one-year deals and not giving him anything long term. Walker Bueller's coming off of a, a serious injury that that sidelined him for the second half last year. Uh the Padres, everybody's talking about them because you know Soto, Machado, and uh Tatis Jr. is coming back this year, but
1: and they added my man and and they added my man Xander Bogarts, which shattered and, and, and my heart And, the and they got
2: Bogarts, who also had a good WBC for the Netherlands as well. But um, it just remains to be seen. And then, of course, uh, the Cardinals are the Cardinals. They're probably going to be the class of the Central. I don't expect any any other team in the Central to 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 compete or stand on their own two feet. But I mean, you know, I expect the Mets in the, with the landscape of the NL to at least get a playoff spot. They're they're good enough to get at least that.
1: I agree, and, and I th- I think, again, the, the Diaz loss is is a killer. But you know, the guy who I, I remember we had so many discussions a couple of years ago, uh, you, you weren't that high on, on Francisco Lindor, especially given given the contract that he signed. And then last year he comes back with you know one of, one of our comeback seasons we've seen from from you know a great player in baseball. But it listen, as we saw with Japan, as and as you detailed when you were talking about Team USA. Pitching wins championships, and if the offense just you know comes along for the party, you can go a long way. So, again, don't don't dis, don't discount the fact that the Mets, as well as obviously other teams, could possibly make some moves at the trading deadline. Uh, it looks like we have a, a few comments here from our guy Barry Grant Jr. Uh, Barry says we had the best closer in baseball last year and didn't win the division. The Mets tried to get the best shortstop on the market, and it didn't work out. They have enough to win. Real Queens fans think differently than this guy. He talked at the Braves more than his own team. Okay, so, well, your response first of all.
2: Uh, well, Barry is who he is. I'll put it he in is. like that. <laughs> and uh, no, the Mets are looking good. Like I said, they have the best one-two uh, starting pitching punch. I, I think Kodai Senga is going to be the X factor oh. in that rotation. Um, from what I've seen in him in spring training, that ghost pitch is is, is lethal. Um, he has a hundred percent whiff rate in spring training when he throws that pitch. So that's that. Um, as far as the bullpen, though. And I, and I said this on a metropolitan report. We got two guys who were closers in our bullpen. We have Adam Ottavino who closed for the Rockies, and we have uh, Robert, David Robertson who closed for the Yankees and won a World Series in that stretch as a closer. Right. So um, I'm not worried. I mean, I'm worried, but I'm not worried. Uh, if if we can get if we can get guys who can get outs in the in the bottom of the ninth or the top of the ninth when we have a lead, then so be it. But uh, the first I think the first two or three months of the season will be very telling.
1: I agree. But I
2: agree. like I said, we, we we still have Pete Alonso, who who was put on this earth, I firmly believe, to, to hit moonshots. Um, Starling Marte, all-star last year, he's back. Nimmo got the big contract extension. So all the main core pieces are back.
1: I think it's – listen, I think it's a fair assessment. I, I still – as good as the National League East is, again, I think the loss of Chris Hoskins hurts. Um, listen, the Mets were were very much in in the race last year, and you got to remember: Does Philadelphia have a better roster this year, coming off momentum last year? Sure, but they were the sixth seed. I mean, you know, in, in years past, they wouldn't even gotten into the postseason. Uh, oftentimes, you know, it's not the best team that wins in October; it's the hottest. And to their credit, uh, pitching and, and in, in the lineup, particularly Bryce Harper, um, got as high as you could possibly get. You know, beating I think it was uh, the Cardinals. The forgetting who they uh, who they, they beat in the they, second round,
2: they 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 upset the Cardinals. I remember and that. Then, and then um who was it in that in that championship series? I mean, they got the
1: Padres in the championship nope. series. I'm blanking.
2: They got the Braves in the division series. Yeah, yep.
1: I'm, I remember. So, uh, again, it's I don't know if it's necessarily going to come down to how the Mets get out the gates. As much as you know how, how they finished down the stretch, because they did struggle down the stretch with some, of, you know, they, they had some some injury troubles. So, you know, listen, it, it's it's going to be listen. The major league baseball, more than any other sport, even the National Basketball Association, is is a marathon and not a sprint. And Julius, so, yes, you want you want to build momentum over the course of the year. One more baseball question before we move on to the Jets, and I'll I'll put you on the spot here uh, if you don't want to save your predictions for for your show. and If you do, I understand. Do you have a favorite to come out of uh, of the AL and the NL possibly,
2: Alfred? Ah, oh, as far as who's making the World Series, well, right now on paper, the NL is is a very—I don't know—the NL is very is a very crowded place. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the nod to the Braves, even though they're a division rival. Wow. Um, because historically, especially over the last three seasons, one one thing I have to—you know what it is—I gotta look at history, and over the last couple of years, the Braves—they stink in the first half. But once the All-Star yeah. breaks over, it's like they flip a switch and they just go on this run. Mind you, uh, two years ago, they went on a run and they didn't even have their best player in Acuna. So, right. I mean, you know, it, it's it, it's it's scary to think about. Um, and then in the AL, I, I, if you would have asked me this a week ago before he broke his thumb, uh, uh, Jose Altuve, I would have told you the Astros. But I think that that's a tough loss. You couple that with Justin Verlander, who came to us. Um, so you know, Houston, I don't think is the same team.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: But I I would hate to say it, but I think it's going to be the Yankees. Uh knew you were going to I think it's going to be the Yankees. And you know what? I was watching uh, our, uh, our our 2022 baseball preview that uh, Mike Guido, yourself, yeah. and myself did, and uh, I did accurately predict that Judge was going to win the MVP. So good prediction um, on your part. Yeah. So I I, I think uh, I think the Yankees, especially they added Carlos Rodon into their rotation to help take some of the pressure off Garrett Cole. Um, Nestor Cortez he's hurt right now, but he. He was the re- the surprise revelation of last season. Um they parted ways with a role as Chapman, so they shouldn't lose any any close games down the stretch. Um and all the key, all the key guys are back. And you know, they Judge finally got the bag. So um now instead of breaking records, he might try to go for a ring. So I think they come out of the AL. I
1: can't I can't do this, man. I I can't. I I can't. I'm sorry.
2: I'm sorry, bro. And you know, and you know what it is. Shout out to your Boston Red Sox, bro. But I, I think I, I think it's the Yankees' year this year in that in that division.
1: I'm not saying I, I don't I don't necessarily have playoff expectations for my Red Sox. I do think we'll be slightly better than a year ago, with uh, although losing Xander Bogarts, I, like I said, just devastating. I will
2: I will tell you this though: you guys have the rookie. I think you guys, are, from my projections, have the rookie of the year on your team this year. So. I, th- I think Masataka. I think Masataka Yoshida is going to surprise a lot of people.
1: No, I, lo- I love. the acquisition, but like I said, I, I think it had to have been later that night that 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 I, I saw the Bogarts, the Padres news, which is like like I said, if, I think if Bogart stays, maybe they are a legitimate playoff team, as, as crowd as the AL is. With a lot of teams that have question marks, but I cannot see the Yankees in a World Series. You you listen like I I was actually I mentioned the Mets briefly on my show yesterday. I said the, the Mets it's always been sort of the enemy of my enemy as my friend type of situation between the Mets and the Red Sox. 86 aside we're just going to act like from our side we're going to act like what that didn't happen. But uh yeah, you know, it's sort of we, we both hate the yankees there's been some yankee suck chance inside of fenway and at city and i'm sure back at the old Shea stadium so just just trying to keep that perspective so for you to pick that like really just it, I, it, it really grinds my gears alfred it really L- does listen
2: i'm 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 sorry brother <laughs> I, I i despise the yankees just as much as you do because you know their fan base is, is rock oh, yeah uh, all, all they talk all uh, listen to me the yankee fans they they live they live in the past they're stuck on 27 yep. rings and and they failed to mention how they've been mediocre before Judge got there. So, but I but I don't know. I, I feel like they're a powerhouse right now. I mean, I could be wrong, but
1: I hope I hope so bad that you're wrong. And I but I don't think you are. Honestly, I'm not saying I'm picking the Yankees to win the AL, but they they do feel like the class of the of the American League East. Shifting. To the New York Jets again. You're the host of the Rocket Fuel Jets podcast here at the Grid, and I think it's safe to say the Jets have been somewhat the topic of conversation, certainly in the national media, and I can only imagine in New York City. Uh, you guys made some some nice offseason acquisitions. I saw Michael Hardman the other day. Uh, I know you, you were talking about the potential of Odell Beckham. It looks like that could possibly be in the works for him to return to New York this time with uh, with, with the AFC team, but it all is sort of hanging in the balance because of that guy. Uh, who still resides yeah. in Green Bay. So before I ask about Aaron Rodgers' fit, I, I, I've been on this for a long time, but before I even ask about Aaron Rodgers' fit, again, today, he's not a Jet. So what's sort of your takeaway on that as far as the compensation, as far as Aaron Rodgers individually?
2: So for those of you who follow me on, uh, on Instagram at rocketfuel__nyj, I've been, I've, been, I've been having a lot of posts lately talking about all these acquisitions, but I end every post with, Where's Aaron Rodgers? See, all, all this is good. Uh, Alan Lazard, Nicole Hardman, uh, OBJ speculation, it's all good. But Aaron Rodgers is still contracted to the Green Bay Packers. And until the trade is finalized, until I get a bleacher report notification or an NFL app notification saying that or ESPN app notification saying that Rodgers has been traded to the Jets, I, i'm not i'm not buying any hype train i'm not believing i'm not celebrating bryce and i kid you not i know so many jets fans who are acting like rogers is on the roster already and yes he went on a pat mcafee show he said he intends to play for the jets but ultimately the green bay packers have the final say in this whole equation and I understand that, you know, by not giving Rodgers what he wants, it doesn't benefit anybody. It doesn't benefit the Packers as an organization. It doesn't benefit Aaron Rodgers himself. But the Green Bay Packers could be watching all of this unfold. And then at the last minute, and this is a possibility, at the last minute they could be like, ha-ha, and then they don't trade him and then he retires. So, you know, this is all a possibility. You can't – And one thing I've learned in sports, you cannot – count the eggs before they hatch nope so until that man is, is officially formally traded i'm not celebrating it and it's crazy because i've seen people go on nflshop.com and then get customized number 12 jets rogers jerseys which i don't think name it well nameth did say he would be willing to let uh rogers yeah. use his, his jersey number should he come but you know people are ordering customized rogers jerseys already like it's it's just insane, and you know, um, and I was telling a, I was telling a friend this uh, between the three quarterbacks that the Jets could have got. Of course, Derek Carr ended up going to the Saints, uh, and the whole Lamar Jackson fiasco. Rodgers, whatever your personal opinion of him is, he's the proven quarterback out of the three. The guy did win a Super Bowl, albeit more than a decade ago. But he does know what it takes to get that far, and then it, he's two years removed from an NFC Championship game. So. Uh, listen, I, I just need the jets to go to the playoffs. We haven't seen the playoffs since 2010, which is the longest drought in the league. So, uh, I, I, I just need postseason football at MetLife.
1: I can understand. I can understand that now, again, like, like you said, and it's only, it's only fitting that of any quarterback acquisition or anything of that nature, it's only fitting that, the guy that that's, that that drags it out is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we understand that that's that's kind of his history um, on decision making, particularly in the offseason the last few years. And again, I, I'm not so sure the Packers aren't using a little bit of leverage because of the fact that not only do, do you have the threat of retirement from Aaron Rodgers, and again, he said he intends to play for the Jets. That does not mean necessarily he's going to play for the Jets. Uh, but, but Green Bay's got the replacement. You know, Green Bay set the Jets are not. And again, I'm I'm not totally discounting the fact that the Jets could say okay, we're out. Let's see if we can go pursue Lamar Jackson because the Ravens don't seem to be uh, all that excited about giving him a a fully guaranteed deal. Would the Jets be desperate enough to do so? Only time will tell. Let's just say for the sake of argument that Aaron Rodgers, uh, we wake up tomorrow morning and Aaron Rodgers, the trade has been finalized. He's a New York Jet. What would be, because listen, this is a Jets roster that, there's no questions about the defensive side of the ball, especially with with as much young talent as they have. Offensively, with Elijah Moore leading the pack, you mentioned Alan Lazard, Nico Hardman, uh, Brees Hall coming back from injury again. I think they're going to make some some moves in the draft to to upgrade the offensive line. It all comes down the quarterback position, in which a position in which the Jets have been weak for really most of the of the last decade and a half since that that last playoff appearance, uh, and certainly this past season it was as bad as ever with the quarterback carousel that they had. All of that being said and considered, your expectations, should Aaron Rodgers become a Jet, would be what?
2: Anything short of postseason football is a failure. Only okay. because I haven't seen somebody, and, and it's crazy to think, because again, Rodgers, right, as of right now, is still a Packer, but he gave the Jets front office a list of players that he wanted, and they're going out and getting them. Um, of course, they go They go get Miko Hartman. They go get Alan Lazard, who he had chemistry with uh, last year. Um, the rumor is it might be if they can't get OBJ, it'll be Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb and, and Rogers have uh, a tremendous rapport going back years. Um, they shipped Elijah Moore out of town for an extra draft pick um, a couple of days ago. So um, if you ask me, they the Jets, who have the 13th pick in the draft, should take Quentin Johnston out of TCU. Um, but that's just my opinion, and yeah. I think that they should just surround Rodgers with as many weapons as possible. Now there's rumors that Zeke might want to come play for the Jets, so um, that's that. Imagine a backfield with, with Zeke Elliott and Brees Hall, the both of them, and uh, you have Michael Carter with your goal line carries. That that that's going to be an insane offense, especially. And Garrett Wilson is the incumbent receiver there, so you know he, he'll have weapons. Uh, should he should he get off the plane from Lambeau and Arrive in the friendly confines of MetLife.
1: I agree. I, I again, uh, obviously, the expectations, but you know, I, I talked about last week when he announced his intention to play for the Jets, and I said, "Look, this is a guy." And I'll, I'll go ahead and if, if I've got the stats here, I'll go and put up the the stats for Aaron Rodgers uh, this past season. Again, nineteenth in yards per game, twelve picks, which was twenty sixth uh, in the NFL, sixteenth in pass rating, twenty sixth in QBR, and dead last in three hundred yard games, of which he hasn't had one uh, in almost a year and a half. So. Again, we talk, and that's sort of like to a a much lesser degree, kind of what I was talking about with Cam earlier in the show, like we get oftentimes blinded by the name, the resume, and the accomplishments, and we're not focused enough on what the guy is today. Aaron Rodgers is a guy who towards the end of the 2021 season when he won his most recent MVP, he sort of tailed off a little bit. Last season, he never looked like that guy who we've been used to seeing his entire career being one of the the best quarterbacks of football, well, the three best quarterbacks of football. And so I I just question that, Regardless of the talent that's in New York. Again, I, I like the coaching staff. I love the defense. This is a tough division with where the Bills still seem like they're sort of the class of the AFC East. Miami, while I still have a major questions about Tua, that's still an excellent roster that's as good as, as they come offensively with Tyreek and Waddle. And then New England, while I've, I've I've never been that high in the New England since they acquired Mac Jones of the draft, they did hire an actual offensive coordinator and they did get uh, both Mike gisecki and Juju Smith-Schuster. So there's no question the offense should be better next year. I just question, and that's just in their division. I just wonder if, in a crowded AFC, if the Jets can forget when the AFC East, if they can even find a way to sneak in the playoffs. What say you?
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. J-j-jumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void. we're prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Well, you got to remember, and I am no Aaron Rodgers fan, admittedly, um, but, you, but you have to look at several things. He lost his he, lo- he lost the best receiver he's had in a long time. Devonte Adams went to the Raiders last season, um, so he was without his primary target of years. Then you look at all these other guys he had. He had um, he also lost uh, Valdez Scantling, who went to the Chiefs and won a Super Bowl last year. So he's left with Alan Lazard, uh, Romeo Dobbs, and Christian Watson. All three of the last, all three of those guys missed uh, missed decent amounts of time last last year. They were all the receiving core was all banged up. Um the first few weeks of the season, his primary safety blanket was Robert Tanya, a tight end. So um, you know, um I i think I think the the depleted receiving core played a part in in Rogers' uh uh regression last season. Uh I think if you give him a solid, formidable amount of weapons, which he didn't have last year, and then arguably uh even uh Aaron Jones, uh the running back, he uh wasn't wasn't like himself. I forget the name of their other running back. A.J. Yeah. Dillon. A.J. Dillon. Yes. Uh, those two didn't play up, up up to par last season either. Um, so I I think if Rodgers does go to the Jets with this uh, cast of characters that they've assembled in their wide receiving corps, then uh, I I do think he he's not going to be the 2021 Aaron Rodgers, but he'll definitely be better than than last season. Um, and again, if Aaron Rodgers gets there with what they've surrounded him with. I think that they get a wild card at, at minimum. I don't there there's a little dissension in Buffalo. Um the so the rumors is Stefan Diggs might be on his way out of town. Uh, I think if Josh Allen loses Stephon Diggs, uh mm-hmm. no, no no disrespect no no disrespect to, to Gabe Davis or, or any of those other guys, but uh none of them are, are the talent that Stefan Diggs is. They just lost Devin Singletary in free agency yesterday. So um, that Bill's team might be a little bit of trouble offensively.
1: Very welcome to the case, absolutely. And our teammate here at the Grid, shout out to Parnell, the Commander's Demand podcast, new new here at the Grid. Be sure to check his stuff out. New episode tomorrow, by the way. He says, get some Rodgers, some O-line help as well. That, that's, the, that's what I'm saying. It, it was an offensive line. Now, some of it, some of it was the fact that, uh, the Jets offensive line was dealing with some injuries last year. Uh, you know, whether or not they can correct that this offseason is going gonna, is gonna to be key because, you know, Aaron Rodgers, part of what's what's played factor in a lot of his success. I mean, he rarely had a bad offensive line in Green Bay, if ever, in his time uh, with the Packers. Obviously, we know about David Bakhtiari. I remember Corey Lindsley all those years. So, you know, he, he had some, plenty of guys who who were able to give him enough time to deliver the football on time and on target. And again, the, the last sort of question that I have about Aaron is what's his commitment to football? Uh, last year, it, it sort of reached a point where he was talking about he's 50-50 in retirement. Uh, this year, he was talking about he was 90-10 on retirement. So, you know, what's what's the case next offseason? So, listen, it's a lot of questions surrounding the Jets. Uh, before we get out of here, tell the people where they can find your show and, and social media, all that.
2: Uh, so, uh, both Rocket Fuel and Metropolitan Report are on Instagram, are on Twitter, and are on YouTube. Uh, metropolitan Report is the underscore metropolitan underscore report. Rocket Fuel uh, is rocketfuel underscore NYJ. Uh, Rocket Fuel, we're just doing short-form content right now. Metropolitan Report is every is every Wednesday. Um, and uh, we're going to have our uh, our opening day uh, special edition this upcoming Wednesday because the regular season starts the next day. Um, so we're we're pretty excited about that. And in the interim, while the shows is on Wednesday, we have uh, what I like to call Metropolitan Report shorts every weekend. Just news that we didn't get a chance to cover in in the actual episode, stuff that happens during the weekend, we condense it into a smaller a smaller short form video uh, on the weekends uh, just to keep the people afloat. So,
1: I love it. I love it. You're doing great work, my man. And listen, like I said, the Metropolitan Report is by far, and I'm not just saying it because you're on the show. I I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. My favorite baseball podcast in the world. You're a great dude, Alfred. You're doing awesome stuff, and happy to be a teammate of yours, the Grid. And uh, hope to have you on the show once again, buddy.
2: Likewise, Bryson. Take care,
1: Alfred Parstar Jr. Metropolitan Report, Rocket Fuel Jets podcast. Always love having him on, carving it up live. And again, you know, he listen. He he makes fair points about uh, about Aaron's fit with with the Jets. I, but again, sort of my question is the commitment level. The because because something else too that's interesting is the fact that you got all this young talent in the Jets. He he, he mentioned uh, uh, Garrett Wilson. I, I mentioned Elijah Moore. Obviously, bring Alan Lazard in. It's either Odell Beckham Jr. Or Randall Cobb. Again, that's another weapon for Aaron Rodgers. I, I know that Mercedes Lewis was on Aaron Rodgers' wish list to bring from Green Bay. You know, Good veteran tight end, and obviously we understand how good the defense is, but how committed? Because if there's ever an offseason for Aaron Rodgers to be committed to building a good rapport with his guys, it's this one. I thought it was last year with the young receivers they had in Green Bay, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, to be exact, and we saw they never really built that that good rapport certainly him and Christian Watson did not up until about midseason, and from that point on, it was wow. Christian Watson's a good player. He he seems to have a nice rapport with Aaron Rodgers. Are we going to have a similar discussion as it pertains to the the guys that the Jets have? Because if you remember, Tom Brady joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, left the New England Patriots free agency, joined Tampa Bay in March of twenty twenty. Something kind of important, kind of drastic happened that month obviously the pandemic hit the whole world and yet and still tom brady was a guy who was like breaking state laws you know going out and and practicing with mike evans chris godwin and company all the guys in tampa bay trying to build a rapport trying to do whatever he could with whatever resources that he had to make sure he was ready and had that payoff off for tampa they have a, a lombardi trophy to show for it and so that's that's something I've always had a question about with Aaron Rodgers and especially in the last two seasons. And so we'll see what happens with 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 him and the New York Jets moving forward. But there's no question they're going to be the team to watch should that trade go through, which it's still not a done deal. If it's not by Monday, yeah, we we, we may have to add another topic to the show if that's not the case. But listen, it, it's it's going to be listen, we we talked a lot about the Jets uh this past off season when it when it came down to their uh, you know, how, how how good they were defensively, just not being able to get the the production they needed on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers takes care of some of those problems. I just don't know if he does so to the extent that a lot of people are are way that it will. So we'll see. Baseball is coming up though. We got baseball in less than a week, six days away. So hey, I'm I'm excited. Listen, not a championship type contending season for my Red Sox in any any sense of the word, but. I do like some of the young pieces we have. And we brought in Justin Turner from the Los Angeles Dodgers who hopefully he recovers from his facial injuries that he suffered in that when he got hit in the face in that spring training game. But I, I like the pieces we have. And one thing about the Red Sox, I've always said this on my show, it's what's great about being a Red Sox fan. When they suck, it's not for long. Like, And that's kind of the Red Sox are rarely in that in-between category. They're either great or they're horrible. Like think about like 2012, the Red Sox were... Not, not to do a whole Red Sox segment here, but 2012, the Red Sox had the worst record in baseball. 2013, they won the World Series. 2014 and 15, last in their division. 2016, 17, and 18, first in their division, including in 2018, winning the whole thing once again. Uh, 2019, they were kind of middle of the pack. 2020, they were horrible. Last in their division, 2021, 2 wins away from a World Series uh in 20 a couple of years back and then last year sort of back down to where they were in 2019 sort of middle of the pack and they did if i'm not mistaken i'm pretty sure they did finish last in the AL East below even the Baltimore Orioles which was yeah that that was, that was not a not a good season but I'm, I'm, I'm still like my red Sox. still like my red Sox. let's see Grady Edwards is in the comments what's up Grady he says, greetings, Bryson. Probably already touched on the topic, but if Cam wants back in the league, the only way he deserves it is if he's good at being a utility guy. I love him. He could be a backup QB, but he'd be too much of a problem. Still uh, still ain't the issue. It's uh, It's the fact in terms of Cam's star power. He should just give it a rest, in my opinion. Rooting for him if he gets picked up, though. Future Hall of Famer, in my opinion. I mean the Cam the Cam Hall of Fame debate would be an interesting one. Maybe maybe one if he ever in the next couple of seasons, next couple of years, possibly announces retirement. Definitely sounds like a great debate point without a question. And Grady is a Panthers fan, so he he's got a you know unique perspective on Cam. Again, you mentioned about you mentioned your first comment here, Grady, about uh, the only way he deserves it is if he's uh, a good utility guy. I talked about that and sort of what I was saying is, am I going to pay a guy a roster spot just to get me two yards on a? Th- a uh, fourth and a third or fourth and short. Eh, I mean, that, you know, I'm not saying that the, the, the third string nickel corner is going to make that much more of a difference. Although, you know, Malcolm Butler would, would beg to differ in Super Bowl 49. Although I don't know if he was a slot corner or not at that point, but that's, that's, that's beside the point. But yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know the fit at this point in Cam's career. It feels like the way the game is played today are you willing to take that risk for a guy who probably isn't going to give you all that much production, and again, you you wonder about some of the maturity issues, you worry about the fit in the locker room. It's just I mean again, he couldn't beat out Mac Jones in New England like again, some like Mac Jones more than I do, but there's no way a rookie Mac Jones should have beaten out a veteran Cam Newton, and he did because he, he's a better like Mac Jones as much as I may be low on Mac, I'm taking Mac Jones today over Cam Newton. Because if nothing else, Mac, for all his, his dirty plays and immobility, he's pretty accurate. He's pretty, I mean, he's not not like a Joe Burrow or or you know, I don't know. Aaron Rodgers accurate, but he's it's pretty good. So we'll see. Last topic of the day, and again, once again, thanks to Alfred for stopping by the show. If you haven't seen his newest episode of the Metropolitan Report, please go check it out on the grid anywhere you get your podcast and on the grids youtube channel. Last topic of the day. So I saw a I saw a, a report or a soundbite from Mike Malone, he's the head coach of the Denver Nuggets, his press conference the other night. And he was talking about he doesn't like the the way that the media is going about the MVP discussion. I think he used the word nasty. He do, he just doesn't like the the dialogue behind the MVP discussion. It feels more we're taking shots at other players to, to credit our guys or the guy that we want to win MVP. And listen, I, I'd be lying to you guys if I said I'm not, I don't get, uh, I, I'm not guilty of that from time to time. I certainly, here and there, have been guilty about that as it pertains to Nikola Jokic. I've been very vocal about the fact that I would not have voted him MVP either of the last two years. But so I thought about this. I'm like, let's 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 make a a a topic out of it. Let's make. I I love doing rankings lists, top ten, top five, that kind of stuff. So we're gonna do a top five list. The top five MVP candidates with two and a half weeks left in the regular season in 2023. If we got the background music, we can get this thing going right now. All right, turn the background music down a little bit. All right, so. Number five on the list, top five MVP candidates in 2023 is a guy who two, three months ago might have been the leader, has tailed off a little bit, but nevertheless is still having a great season and really the best season of his career, and that is Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is number five on my list for most valuable player in the NBA this season. Think about a guy in Jason Tatum who's averaging 30 and eight, uh, I'm sorry, 30 and nine this year, 30 points, nine rebounds for the Boston Celtics. Once he, I was not that high in the Celtics this year with the loss of Emeo Doka, the head coach, uh, with, with some of the, the, you know, obviously they added Malcolm Brogdon, and they also added, um, I'm forgetting, Danilo Gallinari, who got injured before the season even started playing overseas, I thought that was a big loss, so I'm like, okay, I feel like Boston coming off last year's finals may take a step back. No, they're they're just as good, if not better, than last year. They're sitting right there at the two-seed in the East, which is clearly the better conference. One could argue the Eastern Conference probably has the three best teams in Milwaukee, Boston, and Philadelphia. But Jason Tatum's having an outstanding year. Not to mention, he's been great in the defensive end of the floor. He's a guy who can take the best wing player, make it tough on him. You can't stop the great players of the league. You just want to make it hard on him. I've always been a guy who's been higher in Jason Tatum than others have been. Some have debated, is he a superstar, is he not? I didn't love the fact during last year's finals he talked about, hey, I never said I was a superstar. I didn't like that comment. That's for somebody who models their game in some respects after Kobe who Kobe trained that's definitely not in any universe what Kobe Bryant would have said although it's it's probably unfair to Jason Tatum to compare him uh to the Black Mamba but nevertheless his production speaks for itself i think his leadership he's more of a, a lead by example type of guy but i think he's one of the better leaders in the NBA he's always available rarely gets hurt he's great on both ends of the floor and listen for a season Boston had had coming in sure they had the talent but a lot of uncertainty I think Jason Tatum's led the way again. I, I take the V, wor- uh, the, the the V word in more into account more than I think many in the media do. The valuable part, Jason Tatum's been very valuable for the Celtics this year. To me, he would finish if the season ended today fifth on the NBA's most valuable player list. At number four, this one may shock you guys: Shea Gilgis Alexander of the Oklahoma City Thunder, who is having quietly having, in, 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 to a certain respect, one of the best seasons in the NBA. First of all, he was an All Star. Okay, but you know, just making an all-star game doesn't doesn't automatically make you, you know, an MVP candidate, obviously. But Oklahoma City is in a position where they're in the Western Conference, we know it's jumbled up, in between the four and the thirteenth, no, yeah, the four and the thirteenth seed, there's a three game gap. Think about that. Between thirteen seed Utah and four seed Phoenix, there's a three game difference. So the West is all jumbled up. We have no clue who's going to be in the playoffs, who's going to be in the play-in, and who's going to get left out. Maybe I'll do a topic about that on my show next week as, as the playoff format starts to take more and more shape. But we would have never imagined Oklahoma City was going to be in that race. I certainly didn't. I had OKC as sort of a lower seed, you know, 13, 14, 15, the Western Conference... Yes, I understood the talent that Shea Gilgis brought to the table, but it's a very young basketball team. It's the youngest team in the NBA. I think the average age is like 22. And here Shea Gilgis Alexander is, averaging 31 points a game. Sorry, 30 points a game, 1.7 steals, shooting 51% for the field, and has the Thunder in position to make the playoffs. Do they beat out the Lakers? The Timberwolves? Dallas. Some of these teams had really high expectations coming in this year. Oklahoma City had no expectations. Do you use use that to discredit Shea? I don't. Uh, This is a guy who year after year just gets better and better and better every season. Again, part of it's he plays in a a small market, Oklahoma City. This is a team, obviously in OKC, who understand all the success they had with KD and Westbrook and Harden for a short time there, and Chris Paul got him to the playoffs a few years back. Watch out for Oklahoma City. They're a team you don't want to play. They're one of the better offensive teams of the league. They've got some good defensive stoppers like Lou Dort. But the fact, what again, take the V word into account. What Shea Gilgis-Alexander is doing this year is incredible. And I don't think he's getting enough attention. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, number four on my NBA most valuable player list. And now the big three. The three guys, y'all know they are your embiid's, your jokic's, your giannis antetokounmpo's of the world, guys that we all know, it's going to come down to these these three. Once again, really the second year in a row it comes down to these three for the NBA's MVP award and I'll start at number 3. This is probably going to shock really no one. Nikola Jokic. Now, let's talk about the positive for Jokic, okay? Jokic is averaging a triple double. He's he's 0.1 assists away from averaging a triple-double, so he's that close. Chances are, if I had to put money on it, he will. He's averaging 20. If you round up, he's averaging 24 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, and in a jumbled up West, the Nuggets are the one seed. Here's the problem. I said about a month and a half ago, what sucks about the Jokic situation is of the last three MVP seasons, if I had to give the MVP to him in one of them, it'd be this year. Okay, Denver's been one of the best teams in the NBA offensively, although defensively they've tailed off big time. But Jokic has been arguably the most efficient player in the NBA. He's obviously one of the better passers in the NBA. Scoring has gone down, but I don't hold that against him because of the return of Jamal Murray. Denver, and I I still maintain, they're a factor in the Western Conference. They're a team that I do think, if they get the right matchups, if they avoid teams like Golden State or Phoenix potentially, they absolutely can get to the NBA Finals. Here's the problem. Jokic can often be a liability on the defensive end. Jokic is a guy who, again, for him to win three straight MVPs would be unprecedented in many forms, not just because we haven't had a three-time MVP, three consecutive MVP guy, rather, since Larry Bird in the 80s, but the fact that Nikola Jokic has back-to-back MVPs does not have a title, and we're saying, yeah, we'll give it to you in year three. I I, I won't go through the list of back-to-back MVPs who we disqualified in year three. But you're talking about guys like LeBron, Steph, Giannis. Like, we would punish them for that second straight MVP year. Them not winning the championship, we'd be like, okay, you're disqualified the next year. Show us in the playoffs. For some reason, we don't add, we don't give that criteria. We don't give that same kind of energy, if you want to put it that way, to Nikola Jokic, which bothers me. He's not, he's, nobody would argue that he's as good at the defensive end as Embiid or Giannis, He's not as good of a score as either of those guys. Now, he's a better distributor. You give him all the credit in the world for that. But both Embiid Giannis, and Giannis are just as good, if not better, rebounders than Nikola Jokic. And I think it's safe to say have been more valuable to their franchises than Jokic has been. So, no disrespect to the Joker. Am I discounting that he could go crazy in this next two and a half weeks and leave no doubts whatsoever that he is the MVP? Sure. He's not the biggest favorite today. I think for good reason. The Vegas sportsbooks got him second. I got him third. Nicole Jokic third on my MVP most on my NBA MVP list in 2023 with two weeks to go. At number two, the Greek Freak Giannis Antetokounmpo, who himself has two league MVPs, averaging 31 and 12 on 55 percent shooting, and not to mention the Milwaukee Bucks as a team are quite possibly the best in all basketball. Giannis is unquestionably the best two-way player in the NBA. He could drop 30 on your head. Heck, in the finals game, game six in 2021 to close out the Suns, he had maybe the best closeout game in finals history, dropping a 50-burger or a 50-piece, so much so he actually got uh, 50-piece chicken nuggets from Chick-fil-A the next day to celebrate. Love that move by Giannis. Obviously, you know, he's very charismatic, great guy, but he's somebody who's Great on the boards, who's a phenomenal scorer. I don't think get enough give enough credit. Just, you know, we, we heard for years, oh, he just runs and dunks. You know, James Harden talks about that a few years back. Well, if he just runs and dunks at that size, why doesn't everybody else do it? Okay, it takes skill. It takes great footwork. It takes agility. It takes all the things, all of the above. And he's the best, arguably the best defensive player in the NBA. He can take the best wing. He's one of the best shot blockers in basketball. I, I, like that, I don't know what's not like. Not to mention, I've talked about this for, uh, with Giannis under the Kupo for the last two to three seasons. Giannis doesn't get enough credit for how solid a passer he is. Again, you look at his numbers; he averages five and a half assists a game for a guy who's six eleven and not a guard. He's a good passer. He can kick it out to as the, the numerous shooters the Bucs have. Think about Joe Ingles. Think about uh, Middleton if he's able to get into a rhythm. Drew Holiday's a good shooter. So, uh, Brooke Lopez is lethal from deep. Being able to kick it out to these shooters who can you know who can make it happen from three, you know, if if they collapse on him in the paint. So he's one of the smarter basketball players in the league. He's maybe the best defensive player, and he's in that discussion to be the best offensive player. Giannis and Kupo to me, number two for the NBA's Most Valuable Player Award, which obviously leaves one name and one name alone. And I've been on this for a couple of weeks. Joel Embiid. The season ended today, to me, Joel Embiid is the most valuable player. First of all, he's averaging 33 points, 10 rebounds. If the season ended today, that would be back-to-back scoring titles for Joel Embiid. Now, am I necessarily saying that the scoring title or the scoring champion needs to be the MVP every year? No, because there's other variables that come into the equation, of course. But this is a Philadelphia team. That seems to be peaking at the right time. This is Joel Embiid, who again we talk about Giannis. Embiid's one of the better defensive players in the NBA, and not to mention, sort of what separated what separated uh, Giannis and Embiid for me. And then I'll get to what separates Embiid and Jokic. What separates Embiid and Giannis just this year MVP is a year to year award. Is the fact that, and I hate to punish Giannis for this, I, I, I don't, I don't like doing this. I think Milwaukee has a significantly better roster than Philly. We could talk about the names they have. Your James Harden's, uh, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, PJ Tucker. Philadelphia's got one of the better rosters in basketball. I don't know if it compares to Milwaukee, at least in terms of fit, how everything fits together. Not to mention, this is a Philadelphia team that we do have questions about going the postseason. A Doc Rivers, who we've always had questions about in the postseason, and certainly the same can be said about one James Harden. Now, What separated Joel Embiid from Nikola Jokic? It's quite simple in my eyes. First of all, records for the two teams are almost identical. Okay, they're both in the high 40s. They're both going to win over 50 games this year. There's not going to be that much of a difference one way or the other. What separated the two for me is when they matched up against one another. Jokic guarding Embiid. You know what Joel Embiid dropped on Nikola Jokic's head? 47 points, 18 rebounds. And Philadelphia, obviously, won the game. Now, they play one another pretty soon. Let me make sure I'm getting this right. The, the Sixers and the Nuggets play each other in the next few games, if I'm not mistaken, on this Philadelphia road trip. Uh, they play a Monday on NBA TV. That's a must-watch game. Tips off at 9.30 Eastern here, but I may have to stay up and watch that one. That is a must-see basketball game between arguably the two front runners for MVP, although I have Giannis in second place. So, today... Again, we talk about value. We talk about the ability to score the basketball at a high level, to shoot the three. He's got the mid-range. He's great at getting to the free throw line. Uh, he's one of the better defensive players in the NBA. He's good on the perimeter. I don't know what's not like about Joel Embiid. Uh, not to mention the fact that there's some who who, who sort of believe that he kind of got robbed last year from Jokic. I thought Giannis was the MVP last year, but you look what Joel Embiid's done with a lot of chaos at times around him in Philadelphia. I think this is your MVP, at least with two and a half weeks to go in the regular season. So go back through my five, my top five NBA players for MVP with two and a half weeks to go with 16 days to be exact to go. Number five, Jason Tatum. Number four, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Number three, Nikola Jokic. Number two, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And number one, Joel Troel, as he would call himself on Twitter, Embiid. There you go. That's what I got for my MVP. Let's see, uh, got a couple of, got some comments here for, for, um, from Grady. He says, my sister is moving to New York City, and she enjoys going to baseball games. She asked me if she could be a Mets or Yankees fan. I told her Mets because they're more likable. Got any advice? <laughs> well, here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. Uh, I'm not saying your sister even necessarily has to be a New York fan. Now, listen, if she's going to immerse herself in the culture of New York City, I guess she's got to pick a team. I'd say Mets. Is she going to get her heartbroken more? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, we understand that the Yankees, it is 2023, and they have not been to a World Series since the first year of the Obama administration. So it's been a while. Not to mention, I think the Mets fan base is far more forgiving. Not forgiving. The Mets fan base is far more... uh, Loving, I guess. I maybe I don't know if that's the correct word, but they're they're, they're going to take new fans in Yankees. It's very much it almost as a country club type of feel. Not 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 nothing against people who go to the country club. Nothing, but sort of this is, this is kind of you know like Alfred brought up. They always bring up twenty seven championships. It's sort of we're the greatest. <laughs> You we we you know nobody else can join this this fraternity which is like it's a fan base anybody can join it okay it's not like a, you're talking about a hall of fame or something. Uh, Yankees fans are very exclusive about uh, their about their fan base. Mets fans are not, so I would say Mets. Uh, although Red Sox is never a, I mean Boston isn't all that far from New York now. Uh, listen, I, I would listen, I, I I would suggest Red Sox, but of those two, I would absolutely say Mets. Grady, pre, uh, pretty safe to say the East is going to win the championship. That's a fair bet. Again, I feel like the three best teams in basketball come from the Eastern Conference. Uh, you guys know how I feel about my Golden State Warriors. I, I'm not, I'm not jumping off this train until proven otherwise. Uh, knock them wood. Biggest knock on whatever, unless Steph Curry goes down or Clay or Draymond. I'm rolling with Golden State to get the finals. To get to the finals with or without Wiggins. Now. I do not believe they can beat any of those three teams the East, maybe Philadelphia, because I don't trust Philadelphia. I do not think Golden State can beat Milwaukee or Boston without Andrew Wiggins. Again, there were discussions. I thought crazy, but there were discussions about, hey, is Andrew Wiggins the finals MVP last year? Not that that was crazy, given what Steph was doing, but that's how good Wiggins was. I mean, Steph's worst game of the finals was game five, Wiggins dropped like 27 and 13, something like that. He was incredible. Okay, he can knock down an open 3, can get his own shot in the mid-range. He's fantastic defensively, can take the best wing. Uh, he, he gave Luka Tatum all kinds of problems. So you're you Golden State cannot win the championship without Andrew Wiggins. I still maintain that. So I'll put it this way, if if Wiggins does not come back, one of those three teams in the East wins the championship. That's how confident I am in Golden State and how confident or The lack of confidence, rather, that I have in the Western Conference. Great. To me, it's questionable if Joker is a top-five player. Love and respect him, but got to get it done in the postseason. I'm cool with him winning MVP this season. Totally cool uh, if they take uh, take it from him to correct some stuff, though. Again... You talk about with with Jokic and you you mentioned the postseason success, and people are going to get on you for that. People like, ah, you know, you can't, it's a individual and it's a regular season where you can't you can't take last season into account. But if you don't, if you don't take last season account, if you don't take the playoffs rather into account, then what's the point? Again, if you look at recent back-to-back MVPs, Steph, Giannis, LeBron. Uh, Nash, although I don't think I don't think Nash deserved either of his MVPs. Um, who else is back to back MVP? Obviously Jordan, Kareem. But look the last last three, last three years or last three back to back MVPs. So LeBron did it twice. The first back to back MVPs LeBron James won was in 2009 and then 2010. 2009 the Cavs lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. 2010 they lost in the second round. While LeBron's numbers were incredible, by the way, certainly against Boston in 2010, MVP voters held that against him. Like, you still haven't won a championship yet. And by the way, you had the audacity to join a functional basketball operation that is known as the Miami Heat. People still get on for that for some odd reason. Might need to go to some therapy for that. But be that as it may, they and nothing against Derrick Rose. I love Derrick Rose as a human being, and he was a very exciting player in his prime. But to get the MVP to Derrick Rose over LeBron James is crazy. And LeBron showed you that in the Eastern Conference Finals when he said, hey, I got D. Rose. And he took him out of the series. So, and then you look at Steph. So, Steph's first MVP, he wins the championship. Second MVP, you guys know me. I'm the biggest Steph Curry fan in the world. I think he's the best player in basketball. Steph Curry was horrendous in the 2016 Finals. And we held it against him. When we talked about MVP candidates going into 2016-17, Steph's name was never even brought up. It's like, he's a back-to-back MVP. Yeah, but he was bad in the finals. Giannis, first MVP, Bucks lost in the conference finals. Second MVP, lost in the second round. And Giannis did not play well at all in the second round. or really, in the Eastern Conference Finals the year before that. Put up numbers very similar to both MVP seasons. But we never brought his name up like Giannis get it done in the playoffs. Why don't we do that for Jokic? Am I saying his name should be completely taken out of the MVP discussion? I am not. That's why I had him third. I'm not you know, last year I think I had him fourth if I'm not mistaken. I got him third. And I still think he's got a legitimate shot to win it. But we changed the criteria, we changed the expectations from year to year. We hold certain guys to standards that we don't hold others. So all I'm asking for is consistency, and all I'm asking for for the media is, what is an MVP? And valuable means something different to everybody. I understand that. But it feels like as a whole, not to be not to generalize or anything of that nature, but it feels like as a whole, the media sort of just changes the narrative, changes what valuable means, changes heck what the award itself means, which doesn't make sense to me. Here's a great question by Grady. <laughs> where, where where's Ben Simmons? Where's Ben Simmons in your MVP race? So Barry, uh, Barry, Grady and I have been talking about uh, Ben Simmons the last few days and how the fall from grace for him has just been, I mean, depressing to watch. I'm I'm, you're never going to mistake me for a Ben Simmons fan, but it really has sucked seeing, seeing how he's just dipped. And by the way, I mean, there, there was actually, I saw a flash across my phone during uh, the show today. If I can pull it back up, there was some news on Ben Simmons. Let's see. Do we have it? Okay, so this is according to Shams. Nets say Ben Simmons now has nerve impingement in his back and will remain out of action while sides determine best course of treatment. It, it sucks. <laughs> you know, I, I, and But also, too, the thing you have to take into account with Ben Simmons, the guy is flat out not a grinder in the offseason. You're, he's not gonna be a guy you find in the gym. I mean, he came to the league with a bad jump shot. Still has a bad jump shot. It's it's a shame. Uh, listen, I I hope he's somehow, some way able to turn his career around. But man, it's not looking great. And this this setback physically is just makes it all the more bad. I you know it's 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 a very very unfortunate for a guy who was taken with the number one overall pick back in 2016. Patrick Brown, also teammate. Of hours of the grid and a great friend of mine, Patrick Brown. What's up? He says Giannis is my pick for MVP. Silently having a dominant season. Bucks had the best record, and he's gotten it done in the postseason. Jokic and Embiid's play is regular season, but come up short in the post. And that's totally fair, and that's something I have criticized Embiid for. It's why, again, you you mentioned Grady about Joker not being the top five. I agree with you. I also don't think Embiid is top five. Here's why. It's hard for me to, get to say. It's hard for me to say. You are one of the five best basketball players on planet Earth, and this is technically Embiid's ninth season. It's a seventh season playing in the NBA because he missed his first two years due to injury. Seven years, no conference finals appearances. All the guys I have my top five. Luca is the is the only guy in my top five that's never made a finals because I've got Steph one, Giannis two, Luca three. I think I've got KD four and and LeBron five. I still with I gotta pay respect to the king with what he's doing this year. Obviously, all of those guys outside of Luca have championships, Luca has at least been to a conference finals. So it's it's that is a totally fair assessment, Patrick. And again, I don't I'm not saying Giannis can't go nuts in these last two and a half weeks, put up insane stat lines. I mean, let me let me just out of pure curiosity. Check the Bucs' schedule to see if he has an opportunity uh, to play any of these guys, to play Jokic or Embiid or any of these guys. Let's see. Go to the Bucks schedule. Oh, look, would you looky there? <laughs> Saturday. Tomorrow. The Bucks play the Nuggets in Denver. Here you go. Jokic versus versus Giannis. That's NBA TV. It's a game you got to watch, which could be tough because the Elite Eight, there's going to be Elite Eight games on this, so I have to watch them simultaneously. Do they play Philadelphia? And there you go. See, look at that. Giannis has as clear of a path or as great of an opportunity to really leave no doubts. He's got Jokic tomorrow in Denver, and he's got Embiid at home next Sunday. Next Sunday, I think it's wide. Out. I think it's between those three. I think Shea Gilgis just in my number four, but Shea Gilgis just knocked me the MVP. Neither is Jason Tatum. Here you, here we go. I mean, that that's 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 something you got. That's something you got to keep your eye out, out for. Let's see, uh, Grady Edwards. He says, yes, it's a regular season award, but there's something about the aura of a guy, and they kind of prove, uh, they, they prove themselves in the postseason. LeBron, Giannis, Steph, Wilt, Magic, Bird, MJ. Then he got Joker, who got his, but got whipped twice in the postseason during his MVP seasons. My point exactly. He's not on those guys' level I listed for multiple-time MVP winners. All the more reason, by the way, Grady, that I have a huge, which is what, it's part of the reason I had such a big problem with him not just winning. I didn't like him winning MVP in 2021, but him winning back-to-back last year really bothered me. I'm like, you're putting Jokic in the category of guys who are in, most of those guys are in like freaking Mount Rushmore discussions for basketball. I mean, your Michaels, your Magics, Kareem's, and Tim Duncan, LeBron, and Steph, and Giannis, Moses Malone won back-to-back MVPs. Wilt, Bill Russell. I mean, you're talking about the, again, Steve Nash to me is the only outlier. Now I think Jokic is the other outlier, along with Steve Nash. I'm with you, Grady. It, it, It really, really bothers me. Grady, I would not expand the MVP to the postseason, but it just says something about the award to me of what people do in the postseason. Just wish the award came the week after the season ended. That's what annoys me. I think we I think we're pretty much on the same on the same uh, same page, Grady. I, again, this this it it actually feels like for the first time in a long time where we go into the last, again, sixteen days of the regular season, I don't know. I really don't know who's going to win the MVP. That's, it's kind of like in college football. There was a, it, it felt like it, dra- uh, it sort of dragged, dragged out a long time. And then at Caleb Williams in like the last game of the season against Notre Dame went crazy. And he had a big game against UCLA the week before and kind of pulled away in the Heisman race. That's that's how you want. That's how you want MVP races and, and Heisman races and all the above. You want down to the wire, like two or three guys going at it. Man, I I've watched the Bucks all season long. I'm going to have to tune into that Bucks nuggets game. You know, knock them with both Giannis and Jokic are healthy. And then next Sunday, uh, April 2nd, you've got Giannis versus Embiid. Woo! That's good. That's good stuff. That's good regular season basketball at the end. Definitely going to have to tune in for that. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by, as always. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Monday. Not 100 sure. It's gonna be at six Eastern, three Pacific. Might be a little earlier time. Got some, you know, stuff stuff to work through. So it, carving up will be back Monday. It just will be at a different time. So I'll keep y'all posted on social media for that. So stay tuned. Again, follow me on on Instagram, carving uh, uh, carving up pod uh, carving up podcast, Twitter at uh, carving up pod. Uh, but yeah, catch the show Monday. I'll tell you the time once once we get there. And also be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to The Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, The Grid Podcast Network, which is a a network I'm a part of on YouTube. Be sure to catch all all of the amazing content on The Grid on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast. You can check out Alfred show. The big thanks to Alfred Parsar jr. By the way, love that guy. Rocket fuel jets podcast, Metropolitan report, which like I said, new episode of that, check that out on the grid and on, on wherever you get your podcast on the grid network. Uh, Alfred shows are on there. Patrick Brown, saw him in the comments. You got the chaotic sports podcast and the forum, which is a Lakers podcast. Chaotic sports is more of a, 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 a general sports show. Kind of like mine, Barry Grant Jr. the All Even Podcast. You got the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast. Uh, you got Parnell, our new teammate here at the Grid. The Commanders Demand Podcast. He's got a show tomorrow with another guy at the Grid, Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk. Uh, they've got a show that comes out uh, tomorrow here at the Grid. So definitely be sure to stay tuned uh, for that. Definitely looking forward to, to giving that a listen without a question. So listen, it's it's going to be we're starting sort of starting to get closer to the NBA playoffs. We're right right in the middle of March Madness. And baseball starts in six days. It's a great time in the world of sports. And the NFL drafts in a month. So we are just inching closer to, like, to me, my second favorite time of year in sports. My first is October because all the sports are going in October. And then you got April, kind of like that sweet spot, April, May. I don't know. Some of it might be just that school's letting out. I don't know. Have a great weekend, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. God bless you all. Peace out. I gotta find a time for Monday's show. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other
0: clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.